This is Kayak Fishing Radio, and it's time for Yak Fish in Texas with your hosts, Jaron Wassel and Andrew Moxikimba. Join the conversation at kayakfishingradio.com or call the guys up at 714-816-4727. Now, it's time for Yak Fishing Texas. Here are your hosts, Jaron and Andrew. everybody this is Andrew um, it's going to be a kind of a short show tonight we have some significant changes happening with the show um, first off I want to announce that uh, Jaron is no longer with us it's been a um, long sad struggle he's been battling it for quite some time and uh, due to the minimum hair requirement we have on this show he's no longer going to be part of the program and um, so moving forward the Jaron Wassel part of this show is no longer going to happen. In fact, I don't know if I'm going to be part of the show anymore. So, But the main thing is, is I wanted to hear the song one more time and um, irritate Jaron because I know he's listening. And that's really going to be kind of it for the night unless anybody wants to call in or say anything. As of right now, we're kind of in flux. We don't know what we're going to do. As far as the show, might get some people to replace us or um, you know, you might listen to me ramble on every once in a while. But we'll see what's going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, guys, that's it for tonight. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do a a rerun of a show from earlier and sign off. And thank you all for listening. And we enjoyed it. But this is the end for now. Thanks. This is Kayak Fishing Radio, and it's time for Yak Fish in Texas with your hosts, Jaron Wassel and Andrew Moxagimba. Join the conversation at kayakfishingradio.com or call the guys up at 714-816-4727. Now, it's time for Yak Fishing Texas. Here are your hosts, Jaron and Andrew. If you are looking for rigging solutions for your kayak, canoe, or paddleboard, from a pad eye to an anchor trolley, or even lighting up your kayak at night or pre-dawn, Yak Gear and Railblazer are the answer. Visit us at yak-gear.com or visit your local kayak shop. Ask for Yak Gear and Railblazer products.
Outfit your adventure at ACK.com, your kayak fishing gear headquarters. We've got over 300 models of kayaks, canoes, and paddleboards to choose from, as well as all the top accessory brands like Scotty, Ram, and Yak Attack. You won't find this kind of selection anywhere else. Plus, our prices and service just can't be beat. Place your order, and we'll get it to your door with same-day shipping for in-stock items and free shipping on all orders over $39. Visit us at ACK.com today. Free shipping offer excludes Hobie kayaks, paddleboards, and accessories, as well as any hazardous items and orders shipping to Hawaii, Alaska, and international destinations. All right, everybody. Welcome to Yak Fishing, Texas. Andrew, we have arrived, man. We have an official intro. Big shout-out to Keegan Lucas out there for putting that together for us. I'm kind of excited about that. I don't know about you. Yeah, it was nice. A little, little small commercial break. Then here we are. Yeah, yeah, here we are. Well, great to have everybody back. Tuesday night, uh, hump day eve, if you must. Uh, go ahead and kind of look back at what we did this last weekend. Get a little bit of paddling. Uh, it was beautiful weather here in Texas. I don't know about anybody, you guys, uh, around the other parts of the country. I know Chip had said that. Georgia was getting some freezing weather. Hopefully you guys got a chance to go and paddle that live outside Texas. But we had some absolutely beautiful weather here. Uh, gorgeous, sunny, no wind, fantastic. Didn't get one lick of fishing in. <laughs> Actually did a little bit of little bit of duck hunting, and that was it. Just and I didn't even shoot anything. Andrew, did you get any paddling in? No, no, no. I still went outside, looked at my kayak. And moved it from one side of the garage to the other, and then called it a day. Well, at least you touched the plastic. Yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. I touched it. Yeah. Maybe kicked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so looks like coming up this next weekend, we got a couple of got a couple of things we can touch on for actually events that are going to be coming up. You know, next weekend, second leg of the CAT tournament series going to be happening in Lake Conroe, north of Houston. Uh, they had a really good event turnout in the Decker Lake event. Really looking forward to see what the turnout is on Conroe. That's a really challenging lake. I know those guys are going to be launching out of the Scotts Ridge area. I've fished that lake before. It can be a little hard, but uh, it has a lot of good fish in it. So hopefully those guys can... Find some successful uh, find some successful areas and pulling some big sacks for those, uh, for that uh, for that tournament. Uh, you, I don't know if you've ever fished there, Andrew, but it's it's one of the few lakes I've ever been to that really doesn't have a lot of vegetation in it. No, it's full of grass carp, is my understanding. There's not a whole lot of vegetation in it at all anymore. So, in other words, it's a fly fly fisherman's dream. <laughs> right, right. I know there's, there's a couple guys. <laughs> Spring area that fly fish it quite a bit, but I've never oh, really? touched that. Way. Yeah. Huh. Well, another thing that's kind of cool that's open to the public right now is we've got Kayak Wars that just opened up. I don't know if many of you know what Kayak Wars is, but it's kind of an online interactive fishing tournament, and you can form five-man teams, and you can do it from really across the country. Uh, and it, I was looking at their website, and it looks like they even may do a little bit of international overseas stuff too, which is kind of cool because they got some different flags on here, looks like Britain, Canada, uh, Australia. So that's kind of cool. 
But basically what it is is you go out and you catch fish, and there's certain regulations on the fish that you can catch, but you measure them. It's kind of a CPR thing. Measure them, and you accumulate points for certain species that you catch. And then they've got these massive amount of donated prizes that go towards everybody at the end of the year. It's definitely one of the cool online tournaments. So if you ever want to go and check it out, it's uh, kayakwars.com. It's an extension of extremecoast.com. Uh, you can even go to the Facebook page. They have one there for Kayak Wars. You can also go over to the extremecoast.com main page and link to the Kayak Wars forum, and that will give you all the rules, regulations, and then just a place to kind of do some smack talk. So, you know, keep it fun. But uh, I do look to probably try doing that this year. I have never done it before. I've probably just been too, been too caught up with other things to even de- you know, devote enough time to being a worthwhile teammate. Uh, I, know, uh, I know you've never done it, have you? No, I've never done it. I didn't realize it ran from February through December. I mean, that's a... A big chunk of time. Yeah, I know. So you can register up almost, March, I think. Right. It's almost something that you could really log. Uh, you don't even have to devote uh, set blocks of time 100%. I mean, you can really stretch your fishing out throughout the year, but some of those guys are real hardcore. I mean, you know, they some of those guys, they live in the Corpus area. They live right on the water. They're casting the line after work. They're racking points up from day one until the last day. So it's pretty impressive watching all of the photos get submitted on the website and seeing the unique species from around Texas that can be caught. But then you see those Florida boys come out with their huge snook, huge tarpon. You know, it's pretty pretty impressive to watch all that. Kind of exciting, though. I like I like seeing all those fish caught. It's, it's unique. And so registration, I think, right now is free. I can't find it right now, but... As of two days ago, it, it was. So if you've got a group of friends and like to kayak fish and want to win some cool prizes, definitely go check over at uh, kayakwars.com, sign up, and you know take a stab at winning some cool prizes. I think they even do a kayak at the end for the main, the main winner, the overall points contributor. So kind of yeah, It's $15 kind of cool. for the year. That's nothing. No, it's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. And then the return for what you pay is far more. Right. Well, yeah, that's um, that's really cool. And their international registration is ten dollars, so that's I mean that's cheap too. It's that's a pretty cool little tournament. Yeah. We need to find three people. We need <laughs> first three people who say in the chat room that they want to be on our team. You're in. Not really, because I'm not going to fish that much. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't want to screw anybody over. The whoever three people want to come last place. <laughs> right. Well, uh, so and then now this next weekend, you and I are going to be doing a little bit of casting blast. Uh, that'll be kind of fun. Round out the 2013-2014 duck season. I'm uh, kind of proud of what I've done this season from the kayak. It's been my first full-season duck hunting, all from the kayak. I don't know how many countless hours I've been in the boat and how many miles I've paddled to sit there and try to find those elusive little birds. But uh, it's been worthwhile. I've bagged quite a few birds. Um, 
getting ready to make some duck sausage at the end of the, the season. So that will kind of be nice. But it's definitely time to go full-on fishing again. Pretty excited about that. So I'm going to have to start pulling all the gear out, you know, doing the due diligence. Dust it off. Go take it to the to the real maintenance guys if I care about being too lazy. Or just go ahead and do it myself, which, you know, I've tried to hear, I've tried to do it a little bit here lately. And those Alan Tanny websites that show the breakdown schematics of the reels, that really kind of helps the first-timer know how to effectively clean your gear. And it's, it's an important step before the season kicks off, in my opinion. So uh, I don't know about you, Andrew, but my, all my stuff is it's pretty rough. It's, it's It needs new line. It needs everything. It's been neglected. Yeah, I mean, this time I, I always pull all my line off right now, and then I need to send all my, my Shimano reels back. Yeah, it's I'm in the same boat. I need to go through everything and start all over again. And, you know, even on the kayak, going through and just looking at different parts, it always has a wear and tear. Like um, the connections on my fish finder, I want to make sure those are still good because, you know, corrosion can get on them and start eating it up while it's just sitting in the garage through the winter. Nice. Yeah, it's, the, the, the kayak pieces are always, some of the things, it always seems like some of the things that people look over, you know, it, You'll be sitting there and you'll launch the boat the very first time you want to go out when nice weather hits and you're going to go, say, down to Gauss and hit up the marshes and you go to clip something onto one of your pad eyes and whoops, it's broke. You know, it's something that could have been easily looked over or easily caught right off the bat whenever you're going through your gear maintenance. So it's uh, it's definitely something that I like to do and be meticulous about. So go through and make sure all of your foot pegs, are in working order. They don't make a lot of noise. Your rudder's in good working condition. And actually, I caught it the other day whenever I was coming back off the river. Another thing that I really, a lot of people kind of neglect is their rudder cables. So you let all that water accumulate, especially salt water, accumulate in the rudder tubing, and it's just going to corrode all of those, those rudder cables. So be sure to always maybe undo your rudder cable if you can, and pull it out a little bit and see if you've got any rust accumulated where you, in areas you typically can't see. And if you see a little bit in there, gauging by how much rust buildup there is, it's probably not a bad idea to go ahead and have them replaced just so the season kicks off. You know, I did this. You know, I tried something new. Instead of going with the stainless steel cables, I actually switched to Spectraline to see how that works for this season without going with the, the metal cables at all. You know, a lot kind of like the Hobie the performance diet. Yeah, kind of like the Hobies do. You know, some of the performance kayaks from overseas, they use Spectraline. They don't use the stainless steel cable. So I just ran it through my, my tube and tied it off, and I'm just going to see how that works this year. Huh. Well, that's kind of cool. I never even thought about doing that. That that eliminates the entire that eliminates the entire rest spectrum altogether. And the price was the same, which I was really surprised with. It wasn't a price difference at all from going from the stainless to the Spectra line. Very cool. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's. It, I, I was going through on my uh, my boat the other day, and the, a lot of the bungee on the back end, because I added some crisscross bungee across the back of the Ultra, since it doesn't really come with it. And I was noticing where it rubs all on the connection points, I was getting a lot of fraying, and you're starting to see the inside coils of the rubber, so I'm just, 
I'm going to go to the point now where I, I may just go ahead and replace all that and be done with it because the last thing I need is to put something back there to hold it down. I need it to hold it down, and it fails on me. That's That would be terrible. Kayak maintenance is definitely one of the things on my list right now. And, you know, it never hurts, too, is just go ahead and, even though you may think you take care of your boat or whatever else, go and put it up on a pair of saw horses or get it elevated and put a little bit of water in it. See if you, you know, say if something happened to the boat and maybe it started a leak or something like that, you can catch it really on the season, potentially nip that problem in the bud. That's, I've, seen a, I've seen quite a few people who have used it over the season and maybe the last trip that they were even in it and they didn't even realize it, they, they, did, they developed a hole. So, you know, definitely a nice preventative measure to kind of go over that way. But yeah, I mean, even in the, the, in the keel, with all the oyster reefs and everything, right now is a good time to, like, look and see, is my keel getting thin? Do I need to do some welding? Do I need some repairs? Do it now. So it's not messing with it in the middle of the fishing season. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, the, the welding stuff or the plastic wear in the back, that's, that's one of the key things you kind of keep a, keep an eye on for sure because, you know, you as well as I have seen some absolutely horrid things come in from people who just, you know, years and years of negligence. The Team Ocean Kayak guys aside because they put it in there, they do it routinely. But uh, hold on, we got a caller here. Let's see what we got here. Welcome, welcome to Yak Fishing, Texas. How's it going? Not too bad. Hey, Jaron, it's Ryan McDermott with the Native Pro Staff. What's going on, Ryan? Oh, not a whole heck of a lot. Just recovering from a stomach bug. That's nice, fun. Oh, no, it's no fun at all. Got to miss all that nice weather <laughs> this weekend as well. Oh, no no kidding? <laughs> I got out, uh, got out Friday and actually had to take my son with me. Uh, fished uh, Lake Dunlap here in uh, New Braunfels. Uh, fishing was, was, was subpar for that lake, considering the full moon. And actually, the water temps are starting to get up there, um, you know, where you, you start to see them pre-spawn. And uh, it was kind of subpar, but we had a good time anyways. We still caught some fish, uh, just no biggins uh, like what we've been seeing uh, in the Austin area. So are you starting to see some patterns develop kind of right now with like the, I know we're going to be getting the cold front coming up. That's going to kind of throw everything off for, you know, several days. But have you seen any patterns kind of holding around the Austin area lakes that are, you know, maybe somebody on the, somebody listening right now can maybe translate in some, some fish if they go out? Yeah, we've hit, we've hit a uh, town lake uh, several times over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and myself personally, um, We've done, you know, really well over rock piles, throwing hard baits, you know, crank baits, uh, jerk baits, those kind of things. Uh, I know I had one that was just a couple of ounces under 10 pounds um, on Town Lake uh, using that strategy, uh, I guess probably a week and a half ago. Um, a lot of good numbers that way. Uh, the other thing that we did notice uh, fishing Town Lake is in some of the creek beds where those water temps get a little bit higher. We did pretty well flipping as well, uh, you know, soft, soft plastics, crawls, things like that, uh, Senkos. Um, it did really well in those situations. So, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of reports coming off of Lake Austin as well with with rural big fish. Um, same thing with uh, other other anglers on Town Lake uh, reporting uh, good catches, seven plus pound fish, a couple of fish that were over ten uh, on those lakes in the last week. So I think right now is a really good time, uh, basically now kind of through spawn to to really start catching those big girls. 
Um, so if you can if you can put in the time, then there's you know we're in a really good area to catch those fish. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. I I, I haven't uh, I haven't had a chance to hit any of the really the the big Austin lakes yet. I've got Meadows Lake out by my house, and I know historically it had a lot of big fish in it, but it's seen so much pressure since you know it's a neighborhood lake. So you've got all those people who oh yeah they have quick access to it right there, and then you know you've also got the people who potentially go down fish and they don't follow any of the regulations and whatnot, and they just go ahead and keep everything. So it's kind of kind of shut that lake down but I, I can get to the north side of the lake where it's all private property and you can it's like a really distinct distinct line where you see a big bump in like your catches I, I on the north end i always catch far more fish it's like the fish just know they need to go there yeah i, I kind of see the same thing i don't i don't fish on town lake i typically don't fish fish uh the east side of the lake as much, uh, and when I have, I've done all right, but we're typically launching around the uh, Austin High, uh, I guess we call it a boat ramp, it's more of just a concrete uh, drainage area that you can back your truck up and launch, and uh, we'll launch there and, you know, fish east or west uh, of there. Typically, I'll go a little bit east, kind of head, you know, probably no further than Congress uh, and fish that area, and that's typically where we do pretty well. So these pre-spawn fish that you're finding on these lakes, are they... You know, I, I know you said you go jerk baits, crank baits, stuff like that. I mean, are there any like, you know, are there potential color patterns or certain uh, certain depths that you like to work? Uh, I mean, I mean, typically, uh, you know, when I when I'm fishing crank baits, especially on these lakes, and, and I should preface this that I typically fish these lakes at night because that's when my wife lets me out of the house. Um, so, <laughs> the, one of the things about these lakes in Austin. Is is the waters are very clear, um, and so fishing at night, I feel like uh, you can you can coax those big girls uh, into eating uh, a little more readily at night. So uh, I don't know if the color pattern is, is is as big of an issue at night. I know my big one last week uh, came on just a lipless crankbait in kind of a shad color, and typically I'm throwing a shad color, some variation of a sexy shad, or uh, you know, some, maybe even a more natural color than that. Um, you know, just kind of banging them into those rocks. The the area that I was in varies anywhere from, you know, three or four feet to, you know, eight to ten foot. Um, and, you know, so we're trying to, you know, bang every one of those rocks that we can and just kind of – the water's still cool out. It is, it is you know, maybe pre-pre-spawn, um, depending on where you are on the lake. But uh, trying to just keep it going slow and just bang every rock that I can with that bait is, is typically what I'm doing. Um so, and I see a question in the chat room about Redbud Isle, if that's if that's where I fish. And, and there's times when I will go down there. Uh, the grass hasn't been as predominant down near the Redbud side of the lake, and I haven't had as good a luck going down that direction in recent history. That being said, I really haven't tested that water very much lately. And, and that being said, the grass uh, east of that, where that was, it was there was a really really predominant amount of grass down there. Uh, a lot of that grass is recited now. For example. Uh, if we were to go up into Barton Creek, you know, in years past, it would just be loaded with grass. Right now, I, it's hard to find any grass back in there. So uh, it, it may be okay back down on that Redbud side. I just haven't tried it. Very cool, man. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to – I know we spoke a little bit about it, but I'm definitely going to meet up with you one night and do some of that night fishing stuff because it's been a long time since I've ever, I've ever caught any bass of any significance. Like, I, I mean, you know, fishing that Meadows Lake, I've only been able to pull fish maybe around three pounds, and it's very inconsistent, you know. So I'd, I'd love to go and learn a little bit about the, the other lakes around Austin. I've, I've been to 
See, I've been to I've been to Lake Bastrop. That was interesting. It was windy as all get out. My me and my wife got blown all over the place. But I, it does look promising, and I've I've I free, I've, I've been to Fayette before. I I did Fayette a lot in a boat, in a powerboat, but I've only fished it once from a kayak. I, I, so I'm looking forward to learning that one a little bit in the spring too. I don't know if you you ever go fish Fayette or anything. Uh, yeah, we've done, uh, you know, kind of those the, the three lakes that I look at when you start getting out east of Austin there is going to be Decker, Bastrop, and Fayette, kind of in that order. Um, and they all have a lot of similarities to one another. They're all uh, lower Colorado River Authority lakes, I believe, although I think Decker's managed by the city of Austin. But um, you know, they all have grass. They all have, uh, you know, reeds on the banks in a lot of the areas. Um, so they have similarities there. They can fish the same, and then sometimes they can fish completely different. Um but, you know, Bastrop typically produces really good numbers. Uh, same thing with Fayette and Decker. And the way I kind of feel about it is Decker has uh, some of the bigger fish. Um, you know, Bastrop might have more numbers or Fayette might, depending on the day. But, but uh, you know, they, they, they produce solid fish as well. And it's not uncommon to see six, seven pounders out of those lakes when they're really on. Yeah. That's good to know, man. Because, yeah, I... Tell you what, I'm really looking forward to is uh, I love the frog bite. That's how it was in East Texas. I don't know, I'm, I haven't had any success on it here yet, but that's probably my favorite setup the entire way to go all year. I mean, I don't fish it in the cold, but frogs, that's just an exciting bite. So, I mean, all, we three, got all three of those lakes. All three of those lakes are pretty good frog lakes. Uh, Fayette, a couple of years ago, was really, really good, and they did something to the, the reeds uh, around the, the perimeter of the lake, and, and they kind of receded and, and died off, um, and, and that frog bite died down a lot after that happened. And, and I haven't been out there recently enough to know if that's turned back on, but I know that, that Bastrop and Decker, uh, the same, you know, they, they have the same reed pattern, and, and they haven't been killed off, at least not since I've been out there last and uh, and the frog bite was was rocking on both of those lakes. It may be a little early still. Uh, yeah, but but it ought to be you know not too long before they start getting good again. That's good to know. Well, man, I I really appreciate you calling in and giving a report on the on that fresh bag. I'll uh I'll definitely give you a buzz on our Facebook or whatnot and see if we can uh iron out a fishing trip or what. And maybe uh, absolutely a couple weeks so. Absolutely, cool. I can't wait to get out some of that blue water with you. And hey. uh, one, uh, there's one more question I saw in the uh, in the chat room as far as the water temps uh, right now in Texas. Um, I know, like I said, the last the last lake that I fished was I want to say Thursday or Friday was Dunlap in New Braunfels, which is basically the Guadalupe River uh, east of Canyon Lake or east of 35. Um, and the water temps there at night were ranging kind of mid to high. Uh, mid to high, eh, maybe 67 degrees, down to 65 uh, while I was there in the evening. Uh, on uh, Town Lake, depending on where you're at in the lake, it can vary quite a bit. If you get up in Barton Creek, it can be 68, 69 degrees in there. You could get a you know, few hundred yards down from Barton Creek one way or the other, and it can drop off significantly uh, depending on what the, uh, the air temps are. So uh, it can vary quite a bit. Cool, man. Good to know. Well, yeah, definitely. I'll uh, I'll definitely hit you up when we go blue water because living here now, I'll have quicker access down to South Padre, and uh, we'll go and catch. We'll go get some good some good eating fish down there, some cobia, snapper, whatnot, man. That sounds good to me, guys. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, man. Uh, we'll we'll catch back up with you maybe in a couple of weeks. We'll have you back on and get another uh, another update or whatnot. All right, sounds good. Thanks, fellas. I right, see you, Ryan. All right, thanks.
cool. Well, that was Ryan. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I don't know a whole lot about bass fishing, so I was lost through most of that. But that was—I feel like I learned something. <laughs> you learned something about freshwater bass fishing. I, I've already forgotten it, but I learned it. And now, now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a whole other beast, man. I mean, it yeah, it translates a lot into salt water every once in a while, but uh, it's. It's one species. I mean, I know you can go to salt and you can just fish for, you know, red or trout, but, you know, you're going to get a little bit of a mix every once in a while. But, you know, you, you're going to go down and you're going to go fish for bass. Usually that's the only thing you catch because, I mean, that's there's nothing else in that lake unless you're, like, up north and you got, like, pickerel or you've got musky or pike or anything like that. But, you know, around here, it's you go bass fish, it's, it's bass. That's it. So, but, right. yeah, it's... I'll be glad to go with him. I mean, that way it gives me an excuse to go out and go fish, get out of the house, especially night fish. I like night fishing a lot, man. It's, it's always been more productive for me. I've never really done it that much for bass, but, you know, at night I know some of the – I've been taught a lot of the guys that I used to fish with in, in Galveston. They, a lot of good trout bites, especially in the wintertime, because those, there's not a lot of people out on the water. It's calmed down, and there's not as much distractions, and the fish don't get as spooky – so you can get away with a lot more. So hopefully we can, maybe we can fish on Saturday whenever we're out there. We can fish until the evening. We'll see how the day goes. Maybe we can get home on, get on some of those big sow trout. So, but yeah, also, uh, I also want to definitely uh, start using the fish finder whenever we're around here. Maybe you can teach me a little bit more with freshwater. I know how to use it, you know, I know it should translate from saltwater to freshwater, but, you know, with freshwater, I never really had access to a fish finder. So reading, uh, you know, the differences on my on my screen versus the grass versus where the hard bottom starts and just kind of getting around that way, that'll be nice to learn that way. Because I know some of the guys around here, they've got some, they've got some epic fish finders on their boats. I mean, talking all the way up to, like, 900 series hummingbirds and stuff like that, so pretty wicked. We're using all the features. I mean, we don't I mean how how often are you really paying attention to water temperature? You know, I think I, I killed that function of my fish farms. I never I never really pay attention to it. That's a big deal for them. Right. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun for sure. I mean, I've got a 385 CI on my kayak right now. Uh, it's a little long in the tooth, probably in lifespan for a fish finder. I mean, it works, but. I've got the itch to get something new, potentially, you know, maybe one of the, you know, the step up from mine, the 386 DI, or potentially even the Elite 4 HDI that's coming out from Lawrence, and I really got my eyes on the humming, or the, what's it, the, the Raymarine Dragonfly, too. So those three finders are going to occupy my time definitely in the next couple of months to kind of figure out what I want to go next. So we'll see. But, uh, well, it looks like we've got our, uh, we got a, we got a caller coming in. Uh, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a nice chat, man. This is uh this is Luther. Uh, he's the owner of Yak Attack. So we're gonna get into a little bit of rigging talk here and some uh, some gear talk. So let's go ahead and bring him in. Evening, Luther. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? It's going good. Got a little snow out here in VA. Really. Yeah, yeah, we got a, we got about an inch and a half out there, or something like that. It's supposed to get down to ten degrees tonight. 
Yeah. And it, yeah, we're supposed to get some of that cold blast tomorrow night. Uh, they were saying just east of Austin there's potential, like they think, think they were saying like 30 or 40% chances of snow out in the hill country. So we're going to get a little bit of taste of that. Not to, hopefully not to the degree you are, though. Yeah, right. Well, we were kind of in a little pocket. I mean, it looks like just north of us, they got more than – looked like they were going to get more than us, and then south of us, too. We're, we kind of got the easy end of it. But a little snow is always yeah. good, as long as it melts quickly and goes away and springtime hurries up and gets here. <laughs> yeah, man, because I mean, it's the onset of fishing season. Absolutely. That's right. So, well, man, just kind of, you know, let everybody know uh, – about Yak Attack, so I mean, you know, where, how did how did Yak Attack come about? Where did you get the idea to come up with the uh, with what you guys do? Um, well, Yak Attack started with the original Vizzy poll. Um, there's a few people out there that know about it, but uh, it was kind of a one of those things. It was a you know, it was a DIY project, really. I mean, me and a buddy of mine were kayak fishing and started fishing um at night in hampton roads area for striper and uh you know wanted to have a a light so we didn't get run over and he actually made the first one um his name was bob fulgham and actually a lot of people don't know this bob was uh a partner in yak attack back in the back in the day but um we kind of went back and forth kept refining it and pretty soon people excuse me, when we went out on the water, you know, would ask about, well, you know, how'd you make that? Or, you know, could you make me one? So, you know, at some point, you know, I was like, well, you know, why don't we just make a few of these things? And, you know, so we started a little business, couldn't figure out what the name should be. My, actually it was Bob's idea. My, my forum name on WKFA was Yak Attack. So he was like, oh, let's just use Yak Attack. I was like, okay. (laughs) And nice. and that that's yeah that's how I got started. Um, and then once we got serious about the you know the product that we were making, we we actually turned it turned out pretty cool. I mean you know once we really started getting into it, and I was like, well shoot, we we ought to be able to get a couple of dealers to carry this thing, you know. So we started you know started cold calling dealers, and you know we'd call I'd, I'd probably call a hundred dealers and get two. You know, that's how you know that was kind of in the beginning, and uh, you know, little by little, they just kind of caught on. You know, so we we sold. I can't remember how many of those things we sold the first year, but it was a lot more than we expected. And it was, you know, we we had made just enough money off of that that we could tool up the Carbon Pro. Uh, by then, we knew what the more experienced guys were looking for. You know, it's kind of been the story of Yak Attack. I mean, people always say about how. Uh, you know, that's a great product or a great idea. I mean, you know, I think what we do better than anything is listen, you know, and people were telling us pretty much what they wanted in the light. So we, you know, tried to take all that feedback and come up with the best thing we could. And then once the Carbon Pro caught on, you know, then I knew we had a real business. And, uh, you know, I kind of went from there. Somewhere around 2010, uh bob had another job he was working a lot and you know when you start a business it takes a few years before you get to you know do anything cool like get a paycheck so uh you know it was just too much for him so he ended up backing out and i bought him out and then you know then we really just 
at that point it was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to make a living at this, you know. So I had a consulting business that was at the time full-time, but I started to kind of wind that down as Yak Attack wound up. It was kind of a unique position to be able to, you know, meter them. You know, you didn't have to just jump from one limb to another. And, you know, little by little, just kind of got it off the ground. Cool, man. Yeah, I remember the very first time we, Andrew and I were in the store one afternoon, and one of our, he's a longtime customer. I can't remember his name. Andrew, do you remember his name, the one who told us about the busy pool? Mark, and he still comes in and reminds me all the time that he brought us the yeah, attack. We didn't know who it was. <laughs> yeah, remember we were sitting there, and you know this guy, he, Mark came in, and I feel terrible for not remember his name, but he he came in and he's like, "Man, you guys got to see this light." I mean, I don't even remember when this was. It was two, three years ago, and uh, he's like, "You got to see this light, and it's really bright, and it's it's really cool, and you know what is it?" He's like. Yak attack. It's a busy pole. We're like, where it's a it's a what? And he had to. He, he, he jumped around. He jumped around the corner of the 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 desk, and he's typing on the computer. Like, yeah, man, check these out. And next thing you know, we got busy pole in there, and we got uh, yeah, just your full gamut of stuff. It's pretty cool seeing how the the lines evolved. I mean, you guys have done a really good job of you know answering uh, a lot of the. The questions that are out there on the market of where I can or how I can rig my vote and everything like that. So it's pretty cool. So I've been pretty excited to see how how it's gone along. It's been so, a lot uh, of fun. I mean, that's the thing. It's just been fun. You know, it's when you you know. I mean, I've designed stuff my whole life, but usually it's something. It's usually not something you use. You know, it's usually for another company or you know, a machine or something that's kind of cold and impersonal, but it's the first time I've ever been able to, you know, be part of something not only that, you know, I use in my free time, but, you know, that basically all my buddies use, you know. It's it's kind of hard to describe, you know, what the change that that was, you know, but I can tell you it made going to work a lot more fun, and, you know, even today, I mean, People always say it's not about the money. You know, to me, it's money is a distraction. From you know, it, it's a fuel too. You know, because you right. you need to you need it to make new products and stuff. But um, it's just I don't know, it's just a lot of fun. Well, you know, you've uh, doing a lot of social media stuff here lately. I've seen you know the Yak Attack page has kind of been a real front for people to kind of see the direction of where you guys are going. Uh, you, you've been doing a lot, like a lot of live feed, where you're doing work in the shop at night or whatnot. And you, you got a couple of cool products that are coming out this year. Uh, you know, the Artie Kayak Angler Magazine or Kayak Fish Magazine have shown. Uh, I think even Yak Angler did a spotlight on it this morning. Whenever I saw it, and it's the you know the new cell block. Uh, that's a, yep. a pretty unique product, man. Uh, being able to self-contain your battery and fish finder all in one unit and take from both the boat. So. What was the inspiration behind that? Do you guys have a lot of you know questions coming and asking, hey, can you solve this problem for me? Well, you know, usually we what we hear is the problem that, that people want solved. You know, the solution is not always so clear. Um, and we've been, I mean, from day one when I first got into the sport, I mean, you know, when we were trying, you know, back when we didn't even know if, you know, Yak Attack was going to ever get off the ground, you know, you kind of, 
always checking Google and checking the forms and just kind of seeing, you know, what people are saying and stuff and trying to get a feel for are you doing a good job or not doing a good job. But even back as far as then, I remember that one of the most common threads that I would see over and over and over again was DepFinder install. You know, back then it was typically, you know, goop inside the hole and, um, you know, don't get any bubbles in it. And, you know, that discussion was had over and over and over again, but people were still searching. You know, people were still posting the same question and, you know, still searching for the the same answer. So when actually back when when RAM came out with the transducer deployment arm, um, I actually kind of pitched this idea back then that, you know, what would be really cool is to just go ahead and contain all of it, you know, in one in one solution. And I think even then, I don't know that the market was completely ready for it because over the side uh, deployment of the transducer was, um, I think John at Mad Frog Gear, you know, he had gotten it, um, you know, to start, people start to do it and accept it, but it still wasn't, you know, very, you know, widely used. But over the last, you know, year, year and a half, uh, it's gotten a lot more widely used. And finally we said, you know, it's probably time to, to do this. Um, probably the thing that, the biggest thing that kept us from doing it sooner was manufacturing capabilities. You know, um, injection molds cost a lot of money, um, a lot, especially for something like that. So, but, you know, when we started making the black pack, that opened up some different ways of doing things, you know, cutting sheet plastic and, um, you know, with the black pack, we really got into how it fits together and, you know, making it strong and all that stuff. So we learned so much from that. We were like, you know, we could probably do this as an assembly and, you know, we made a prototype and we we're like, yeah, that's that's it, you know. So that's when the some of the live Facebook stuff started happening and, you know, the feedback was pretty overwhelming that, you know, people were going to, you know, accept that as a good solution. And, you know, so we did finish the design and I think we sent out about, you know, we asked for 10 beta testers, I think, and so I'll take, you know, however many we get today. I think we got like 35. So, you know, we set all those units out. All the feedback we've gotten so far has been, you know, super positive. So we're, the plan is um, starting next Monday to start shipping production units. So, yeah. So I guess the answer to your question is, yeah, I think the market was saying that it was looking for something else. We weren't sure what that was exactly, but we knew that mounting the battery was always a, a challenge, so we thought that, you know, that would be a good place to start. Cool. i got a question for you. Um, you know, it seems like everything I do, you all you know, do that because we fish. And I'm assuming right now because of this time of year being cold there, is this the time of the year where you spend less time on the water, more time just coming up with new ideas? Is this where all the kind of like the, the new products from Luther all come from this point of the year and the rest of the year is getting out and using it, or, or how do you – how do you balance it? Out? Um, How do you balance it, it, out development versus fishing? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, like right now is the time that I've never done a lot of fishing through, uh, like January. I mean, on on into late December, there's some fishing going on, and and some of the hardcore guys around here are still going out and finding fish. But my season is typically, you know, wound down by the middle to end of December. You know, I like to chase schoolie stripers, and, you know, striper season's over, and the water's getting below the, you know, kind of the critical temperatures. But, 
I mean, until this year, until 2013, there were about two or three years there that, you know, I didn't really get to fish nearly as much as I would like to because, you know, at some point you're like, okay, I just jumped. You know, I'm going to land somewhere, you know, so all the focus had to be on, you know, people used to say all the time, man, it's too bad now that you're in business doing this stuff, you, you don't get to enjoy it anymore. And what I always said was, you know, there's a there's a time to work the fields, you know, time to plow the fields, time to plant, time to work the fields, and a time to harvest. You know, and we, we knew that there's going to be two or three tough years there of just, you know, putting our heads down and, and getting it done. It's it's hard to get something like that off the ground. But last year, I mean, was great. You know, I got to go on – I got to actually fish a lot. And, yeah, I mean, some of the – you know, that that's the thing that started it was getting out on the water and finding a need. Um, and that's kind of part of what happened this year. I mean, I lost a you know, almost brand-new set of Boga grips in Pensacola. You know, we've got surface mount retractors now that should take care of that. You know, I don't like tethers and floats and things that, you know, bulky that kind of tangle you up. I just don't like them. I never have. Um, but something real thin like a like a retractor line, you know, I've actually kind of enjoyed uh, using that. It's not, you know, it's not really in the way. You know, it kind of zips itself out of the way when I'm, you know, when I'm not using it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think all year long we, you know, we're, you know, coming up with ideas and, and designing things, but, um, you know, pretty much all year long we're doing a little bit of fishing too. Well, yeah, I, I, saw you know, you, I, saw, I saw you were busy last year, man. You 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 got to do the trip that I got to do with, with Sam, and, and isn't that just a game changer? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. It was and so much it, fun. It, it ruined my perception of fishing here forever. I. I can't go to the Texas coast and look at that water anymore and go, you know what, I feel like I'm going to go fish that. So, yeah, it's couch. it's amazing down there. I mean, it, like you said, it's kind of like, uh, it's truly like a little paradise, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. You know, the clarity of the water, you know, seeing seeing the fish way before he's, you know, even close to the surface, you know. I mean, to me, that was kind of cool. The thing looks like it's like, you think you've got a 12-inch fish, why is it pulling so hard, you know, and you realize it's still 30 feet down, um, you know. And I, I actually didn't get to catch a marlin. Um, there was three of us, two marlin were caught. I'm the one who didn't get one, but I did get a bunch of Dorado, and, you know, it was just a it was just a blast. Yeah, I saw Sean's name for you. That was pretty classic. El Dorado. El Dorado. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. So what would happen yeah. the first two days is I would catch a Dorado, and then somebody would catch a marlin. So <laughs> the third day they were like, uh, Luther, we need you to catch a Dorado. I was like, yeah, how about you catch the Dorado this time? <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we only had one guy catch the marlin in our group when we went, and it was a guy from Canada named Max. And, man, it was so wild. I, he took off. Jim took off after him. And so we all continued the wall of death going down and – Next thing I know, Sean's on the radio, and he's coming back at us saying, hey, uh, you guys need to turn around and – or not turn around, but you need to pick up your speed. Jaron, you've got a marlin behind you. And I turn around, and I look completely against what he said to do, and I see a bill come out of the water, and I, I kid you not, man –
I couldn't have, I, it couldn't have gone any worse. I'm sitting there, and a, I don't even know what kind of bird it was. Flew <laughs> out of story. Flew out of nowhere, and took the bait right away from the marlin. Yeah. I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" It's just that was the joke. But I'm definitely. I, I think Lauren and I are we're gonna we're gonna try to plan to go back again this year because I got a day of reckoning with the billfish. Yeah, I hear you, man. I, yeah, I can't wait to get back. Well, we got a we got a question for you from the chat room. Um, one of the guys is wanting to know how did the tea rain product come into the mix, and then we had a follow up question right after that on the story behind how you almost lost your Voga grips. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so the the T rain thing, um, one of the guys here in Virginia, uh, he actually runs the TKAA tournament. His name's Wayne Bradby. Um, Wayne is a representative for T rain, so he helps them out with sales and stuff like that. And he's been on me for a couple of years. You know, I was a little bit slow to the table with that. You know, he's like, I know there's got to be some good applications for these retractors. You know, and we had so much going on, and, you know, sometimes you have to just have a light bulb moment to really, you know, get excited about something, and I, I never, just, I just never really had one of those light bulb moments, and, you know, the conversation started and stopped a number of times over a year or two, and then he, he called me about, I don't know, three or four months ago and said, you know, hey, I, they've got this new retractor and or this new product that's got a retractor in it that's like an insert, and I, I, I know you can do something with this, you know. So he's like, I've got a couple of samples in the mail on the way to you. And when I got them, you know, I was like, oh, wow. You know, because every other one I had seen had been something you'd clip to yourself, you know, your PFD or your, you know, your belt or whatever. So I was like, you know, we can make a, you know, we can make some housings for these and put them anywhere. And we made that little surface mount prototype. And, you know, we are like, yeah, this is definitely a, you know, this is definitely a good product. And, you know, T-Rain, they've been around for, I think like, I think the guy told me 65 years or something like that. They're the original, you know, the old retractors that were on your key, that were on people's, like, keys, like on their hip? Um, they were the original company that, that designed that. It's called Keyback. Um, but anyway, they're part of the same company. They still make everything in the USA. Just solid, solid people. Um, I met with their vice president out at SHOT Show last week and you know we had a nice long conversation just good people like i said made in the usa so you know we're really comfortable working with them and with their with their products and then we like i said we had a couple of really really good applications for them so that's kind of how it got started and then i took i was at a show in northern california a week before last and we took a dozen of them out this first time we really had them out in front of the public and the response out there was kind of the, you know, the kind of validation. Um, you know, we sold them out, and we sold all but one of them in the first day, and the other one went first thing the next morning, so it's pretty clear that it's something that people are looking for. Huh. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. It's- now, with the BOGA grip, <laughs> so at first I was a dummy. You know, I didn't have a float. I knew better. Um but I was just determined that I was just going to keep the lanyard on my wrist and caught a really nice snapper. I think I think it was the biggest one I caught, which was like right under 30 inches. 
and I went to I went to grip it, and I don't even know exactly what happened, but I just know that the bugger grips weren't in my hand anymore, and they're not buoyant. <laughs> I looked for a second, <laughs> no, tried to grab at them, and it was too late. And um, one of the guys who was down there, he, he he's uh, you know spent a lot of time down there and caught a lot of fish down there, so he was like, "Grab it by the eyeballs." I was like, what? He's like, dude, I'm serious. So I reached and grabbed the fish and pulled it out of the water, and, you know, that worked out. But, yeah, 100 and whatever, $20, $30 pair of bugger grips are in the bottom of the ocean somewhere just out of Pensacola. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I'm so scared to even – I haven't even bought a pair yet. I have those Berkeley ones, and they're just rusted they're just rusted to pieces. I, I just can't go and get the the boga yet. Just just knowing that my prone self will drop them, and it's just a matter of when. And well, you know, I, I I've know. seen some of the other ones. I mean, there's another one that looks very much like boga that came out recently. But you know, that's another thing, kind of a transition that happened for me is going from you know working for other people, and I don't know, it's just a little bit impersonal when you're you know, when you're doing that, to knowing what it actually takes to resist the temptation to import and, you know, that kind of stuff. So with with Boga, I decided they're the original and they're made in the U.S. You know, suck it up and do it. And I'll be honest with you, man, I haven't regretted it a moment since. And even though now my pair is basically costed $240, um, they're worth every penny. I'll just take a lot better care of this pair. Yeah. Just a recap for everybody. We're talking with Luther, the owner of Yak Attack. Uh, so I got to ask, man, I, I've seen it pop up all over the kayak fishing uh, spots on Facebook and whatnot. The hashtag because we fish. Where did that come from? And I know it means something to you. Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, I read a book, um, and it, it's a book about brand identity. And, you know, one of the things that the the guy said was, you know, what what differentiates you? You know, what differentiates your company? Like what is you know, and that's the thing that you that you really need to embrace. And, you know, that is what differentiates us from pretty much everybody else out there is, you know, we, we are part of this sport. We don't just we don't just serve the sport and we don't just make a living off the sport. I mean we participate in it and you know, so that's kinda how it came about. And now that you know once once we kind of started using the phrase, you know, I started to look at it and say, you know this is this concept is bigger than is bigger than yak attack, you know it's broader than yak attack because fishing is not just kayak fishing and um so we've kind of actually started to break the two apart a little bit, and um if we didn't have so much to do, it would have been done already, but definitely. You know, sometime the early part of this year, um, you're going to see another brand emerge. Uh, and because we fish will be its own brand, we've also um, have the trademark for uh, because we hunt and a couple of other ones that are kind of in the same vein. You know, I think there's a there's a bit of a you know a, you know brotherhood or a you know I don't know, but all of these you know, sports and, and, and activities that people do, you know, there's a common bond there. And, you know, we just want to kind of highlight that with, 
you know, with those brands and hopefully come out with some, you know, apparel and, and different things that, you know, that just kind of make that statement and, and you know, kind of show that common bond. Well, if it works a good place for people to go see all your products, do you have a, a website you want to give out? 